Welcome to The Workplace, a podcast by Cal Chamber. I'm Erica Frank, Cal Chamber's Executive Vice President and General Counsel. And joining me on the podcast today is Lyndon Holling. Lyndon is the Manager for Leadership Recruitment and Diversity Services at UC Davis. He is a recent presenter at Cal Chamber's 2020 HR Symposium, and he did an absolutely fantastic job. And I couldn't wait to get him on the podcast as one of our guests. Lyndon has served in a number of leadership roles promoting diversity and inclusion, and he has an extensive knowledge base in this area. So we are very fortunate to have him today. Welcome, Lyndon. Welcome. Thank you, Erica. I appreciate the opportunity to talk to you and talk to your audience. You know, I had the opportunity to listen to a couple of podcast episodes, and it sounds like you're doing great work. So I'm happy to contribute to that conversation. Well, thank you. And as I mentioned in the opening, you were one of our presenters at the symposium, um, speaking to really on how human resource can foster a diverse workplace. And as we know, diversity and inclusion is a very important topic that needs to be uh, something that we continue to be at the forefront of discussions among leaders and the business community and throughout. So let's just, first of all, you know, tell our listeners a little bit about your background. What is your role at the University of California, Davis? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm actually not an HR professional by trade. I only recently entered into the field in the past couple of years. My background has always been in higher education, but prior to moving to human resources, I focused a lot on diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives, specifically for students and underrepresented student communities. And it was actually through that advocacy and through the impact of that work that I made the decision to transition to human resources. Specifically, I've been able to work in a space where I get to attract, select, and hire diverse talent and really lead those initiatives for both UC Davis and UC Davis Health. And what motivates me to do that work is certainly the understanding that diversity and representation in the workforce matters and knowing that our underrepresented students, our patients, our community members will have a better experience when they interact with the university and with the medical center if they see individuals who look like them and are reflected um, from their perspectives as well. So it's been great to transition into this industry and to really lead the way and push the university forward and being an exemplar in terms of what it means to support diverse staff and cultivate that culture uh, across the university. What a great progression to go from helping the students find placement and in doing so, really broadening the perspective of the UC system as, as you are with the education system, but also demonstrating an example for the broader business community as far as how to instill equity, inclusion, and diversity into the workplace as well. Um, so speaking of business community, you know, what do you think are the biggest issues related to diversity and inclusion that businesses are facing right now? Yeah, absolutely. So in many ways, I feel like businesses, companies are, are really having a reckoning. You know, there's this understanding that diversity, equity, and inclusion is, is crucial to the foundation of, a, of you know, what it'll take for an organization to be successful. And now we're starting to ask big questions around what does it mean to actually operationalize this mission and this vision in functional and meaningful ways. When I work with the different stakeholders at UC Davis, oftentimes what we sit down and talk about are first, you know, how are you going to articulate this commitment in, in your brand, in your messaging, 
in your broader vision statement and really articulate the value proposition around diversity, equity, and inclusion in the work that you do. And once we set that agenda and once we set that direction, the next step is sitting down and thinking about, okay, how do we turn that into action? You know, certainly the passion is there, the drive is there, businesses understand that this should be a priority, but it's another thing to actually walk the walk. And certainly that is just as much a priority as, you know, the, the eloquent language, the, the fluffy language that I often refer to is, how do we turn this into action? And that's where the rubber hits the road. And that's where I think businesses are now pivoting towards programs, um, diversity, equity, and inclusion committees, really thinking about their workforce and embedding these best practices into everything that they're doing. So what are some ways within which you just mentioned a little bit, but can you elaborate a little bit more on how companies can take that next step or walk the walk, recognizing that this isn't a cookie cutter solution, that this is a long-term strategic decision and commitment that an organization must make? Absolutely. So, so certainly for an organization to cultivate buy-in from their workforce and to really develop something from the grounds up, but then thinking about tangibly what that looks like in action. So for your organization, once you set those priorities, it's organizing individuals, organizing leaders around a set of practices, a set of approaches to accomplish your goals. And so certainly that can sound like a daunting task, but when you take the time to really pull it apart, to really sit down and think about the components of your diversity, equity, and inclusion strategy, it becomes much more manageable and you can really start to put people in place to turn that into action. I work in the recruitment space. And so certainly that is, you know, a high priority in an area of interest of mine. And there's so much that we can do around recruitment efforts to ensure that we're um, operationalizing in that mission and vision, whether it's ensuring that you have diversity reflected in your selection committees, thinking about your marketing material, thinking about the images that you choose when you talk about your brand and attract talent, thinking about the questions you're asking during your committees, thinking about your job descriptions. Again, not the most exciting thing in the world, sitting down and digging through some job descriptions to think about how you talk about a role, but certainly one of the most important components of attracting that diverse talent is, is signaling that diversity, equity, and inclusion is a priority. So some of the work is really in the reads and some of it is the more glamorous forward-facing work, but it's all equally important. And certainly those strategies can extend across HR practice, across an organization's practice, but it takes time and it takes thoughtfulness to really do it in a way that's meaningful and impactful for your organization. There isn't a one size fits all strategy for this work. In addition to the strategic component, what about the educational component? Recognizing that even within a workplace, there needs to be education about diversity and inclusion and equity. You know, we are always talking about the harassment prevention training that employers must provide. You know, what about training on these issues such as diversity and inclusion? Is that a step in the right direction and something that could be part and parcel to the strategic steps that the organization is taking internally? Absolutely. So, so understanding that your workforce is, is stepping into these conversations all across the spectrum. I'm sure, you know, at any organization, you'll have individuals who are leader in the diversity space, who are leaders in the diversity space, who talk the talk, know the language, know the strategies. You'll have individuals somewhere in between who are really interested in these topics, but maybe don't have the language or the context to really know how to engage. 
And then you'll have many folks who this is the first time, you know, this agenda has been set or these conversations are coming up, um, whatever the motivations are, whether it's because of what's going on in the world around us or because your organization is, is pushing diversity, equity, and inclusion as a value. So in order to meet those stakeholders, it's important to, to understand that. You know, if you step into training spaces and start intellectualizing about these topics, you often lose many people. Um, another strategy that we see often is leaning into data. And for some people, data is really important, but for others, it's very off-putting. And so really offering opportunities that allow people to engage at their comfort level. You know, I also think a lot about scaffolding learning, and that's certainly an approach that we've taken at UC Davis is starting with more introductory topics, creating that safe space to talk about issues such as race, sexual orientation, you know, whatever it is, the topic that we want to cover in that particular session, and then building off of that, you know, ensuring that we have consistent language, a consistent foundation to grow from is a very effective strategy to build that culture in a way that everyone feels included. You don't want to leave people behind. You want to ensure that everyone's voices feel heard. I mean, that's really the spirit of diversity, equity, and inclusion and an effective strategy to get that buy-in from the beginning. So with that strategy that you just mentioned, it's more of an incremental strategy of building not only comfort to talk about these very um, oftentimes uncomfortable topics, but having the employees and the executives and the managers and, and everybody who makes up the workplace to trust each other and to work together uh, in tandem for a more diverse, equitable, and inclusive workplace. Absolutely. It's a great point, Eric. And, and you know, another important component of that work is is contextualizing it and making diversity, equity, and inclusion relevant to the individuals you're training or the conversation that you're facilitating in that moment. Again, when you talk about diversity in the abstract, it's easy to think about it as something else, whether it's somebody else's problem or something that's detached from the work that you're doing. And where I have found people really derive meaning from these trainings is when they can see the implications of diversity, equity, and inclusion in the work that they do. And it affects us all. You know, it's a part of, well, everyone is diverse. Everyone has diverse identities. And when you start to think about the implications of diversity and the policies that we oversee, our practices, sort of what we define as status quo in the work that we do, that's where that learning really starts to happen. And so if you can make it practical and approachable, that's going to connect in a much more meaningful way than just talking about big picture, abstract issues that don't always necessarily connect. Well stated, well stated. Um, I know when you spoke at our HR symposium, I, I really appreciated you had outlined goals, you know, goals of the presentation. But when I was looking over in preparation for today, those goals are really the roadmap that we've been talking about, you know, um, defining diversity, equity, and inclusion. And I know the audience was very human resource specific, but it, it would apply to, to everybody, you know, to our entire audience of the, the podcast. You know, the second goal being learn strategies mm -hmm. to attract, select, and hire, which is what you touched upon just a little bit ago. And then learning those strategies to create that inclusive work environment for your diverse talent. And I think that really sums up some of the key components of what the business community can do to continue the momentum of improving the workplace and really fostering that diverse and inclusive workplace. 
Yeah, for sure. The, you know, the topic can feel overwhelming at times. And I hear that a lot. You know, there's a, there's a passion to do something. There's a realization that inequities exist in our businesses and our organizations, but it's hard to know where to start. And so, so much of what we do is focusing on a plan. You know, how do we take this big obtuse problem that we have and make it into something that's manageable and um, measurable is important as well. You know, how do we benchmark? How do we set goalposts for ourselves to know that we're making progress and going in the right direction? And to your point, it really does start with having a shared understanding of what you're talking about. I go on LinkedIn all the time and I see new diversity jobs, you know, inclusion person this, diversity person that. And oftentimes the context around what that actually means to the organization is not there. So it starts with having a shared understanding of your values and what you're speaking to. And once you have everyone on the same page, then you can start building strategy, start coming up with your roadmap, and then ultimately thinking about as you cultivate that diverse workforce, how you're gonna develop that talent, retain that talent, and create a culture that is inclusive. Because without that, you're not completing the puzzle. It's one thing to attract the talent. That's what I do in my everyday work. It's another thing to ensure those folks want to stay with the organization and will thrive and will move into leadership and help shape the agenda the organization has moving forward. So it takes everything. It's the full cycle. And it's important that everyone sees themselves in part of that conversation. That's fantastic. That's excellent takeaway for our listeners. So since you focus on the recruitment side, um, you know, is that a good place for organizations to begin if they are committed to improving, you know, creating that diverse, equitable, inclusive workplace? Is recruiting one of the first places that they can start as far as expanding how they recruit, um, where they recruit, you know, going beyond what their normal has been? Would that be a good place for employers to start? Or what are some other ways businesses can really start the process of building a more inclusive workplace? So the point about recruitment is that you can very much see the tangible impact of these strategies in the work that you're doing. And so I think many businesses gravitate towards your recruitment efforts first because you can see it in your branding. You can see it in how you communicate your value proposition to your stakeholders. You can think about the images that you choose for your brochures. You can think about what's on your website. Nice. It's, it's easy to, to measure that and think about the impact of that as part of your broader mission and vision. But it's not everything. Like I said, attracting the talent is one piece of the puzzle. It's equally important to ensure that an infrastructure exists within your organization to keep that talent. Otherwise, that can be more detrimental than doing nothing. You don't want to promise something that doesn't exist internally, in particular to underrepresented staff and underrepresented communities. There is a shortage of diverse talent, and that has to do with inequities that exist in education and access to leadership opportunities, promotions. And so it is important for me, and it's a value of mine to ensure that if I am presenting UC Davis and UC Davis Health as a as an employer of choice, an employer that values diversity, that we are doing the work internally to live up to that obligation and live up to that promise. So recruiting is great, but it's not, it's not the whole picture. Well, thank you so much. It was absolutely a delight to have you on the podcast today. Yeah. Thank you for the opportunity to talk to your listeners. It's fantastic that this is a topic of, of interest and certainly speaks to the importance of diversity, equity, and inclusion in the work that everybody does. 
And thank you for joining us on The Workplace. Please comment, share, and subscribe to Cal Chambers podcast by visiting calchamber.com.